0: Has the internet uncovered the path towards summoning your own djinn? And then we take a look at a man whose father told him many stories growing up of being abducted by aliens and having a religious experience with them. Is there any truth to these stories? Is it possible that all aliens worship the same god? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio, I'm your host Jason Carpenter, I'm having a great day, I hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a ton of stuff to cover, it's day two of Alien Disclosure Week, yesterday I called it UFO Disclosure Week, it doesn't matter, stuff is getting disclosed one way or the other. First off, let's give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Nate... Nate, thank you so much for supporting the show. You are going to be our captain this episode. I may refer to you as Nate Dog. Hopefully you're fine with that. Hopefully you know who it is. It's definitely a compliment from me because I love Nate Dog. Rest in peace. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help get the word out about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. And I actually want to highlight this. I have a Google Alerts set up for Dead Rabbit Radio. But it only pops up once a week uh, because otherwise it goes off all day long because every time I put out a podcast, it goes to all these different websites and things like that. So a lot of times I don't see time stuff that pops up on time. So Nate, as you stand there dutifully with your arms at at your side or something, I don't know, crossed, you're just kind of standing there waiting for your turn to drive on our vehicles. Let me read this post I found. It popped up on my Google alert too late, but I want to read this post I found on the X board. It's uh, titled Dead Rabbit Radio. I did not write this. I did not write this, but somebody did, and I wanted to address this. Uh, Dead Rabbit Radio. And here's what it said. I miss it, bros. I can't wait till Monday. If you're here, Jason, hey, friend. I am thankful for your show, and it makes me happy. Life has been hard lately, but Dead Rabbit Radio is real good. I'm not saying that because it's complimentary towards me. I wouldn't be reading it if it was insulting, but... There was a, There's a key point in that, and it's I get this in emails all the time. I actually got a similar comment from a YouTube username, 34.QG7, uh, just today, um, that they're having trouble with their life, that life is hard, that things haven't been going well for them, that they're lonely or sad or whatever. And guys, it makes me feel so good to know that I can help you out in that way. Because we're all, we, one, like being into ghosts and stuff like that. Like sometimes you can find like ghost buddies, physical corporeal beings, other humans that are into ghosts or paranormal or Bigfoot and stuff like that. But a lot of times it's pretty solitary, right? A lot of times it's maybe an internet community and things like that. So I'm glad that I can kind of be, be out there, be out there in this audio realm to be your friend, to be your, your buddy. You're, you're, you know what I mean? Like that, I get so many emails where people are telling me that the show makes them happy. And that to me is the biggest compliment. That really to me is the biggest compliment for the show. So whoever you are anonymous person, uh, it's back. The show's back. It's not going away anytime soon. And to everyone who's ever emailed me, Saying that they're not doing good, that they've been having a bad week or a bad month or a bad year or whatever it is. I'm glad that I can be a little bit of making it better. Making it better. So I just wanted to acknowledge that because I get that comment a lot. And I'm glad I can kind of do my little part to make your day, at least for maybe half hour, a little bit more fun. A little bit more fun. You're not alone. You're not alone. There's millions of people out there just like you. You just haven't met them yet. But you will. You'll be really good friends when you do, Nate. Let's fire up at Jason Jalopy. We are driving down to Los Angeles. This, I mean, I got a ton of stuff to cover today. We're driving down. You've, I'm breathless. We're driving down to Los Angeles right now. So as we're driving to LA, let me give you a little bit of this. I'm doing like ten different things at once right now. I'm all filling out reports and looking for UFOs. And, like, giving you a hug so you don't feel so sad. And Nate's like, where's my hug? We're going to L.A. It's September 7th, 1973. And we're going to go see the Johnny Carson show. The Tonight Show is what it is. What it was. The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. I'm old enough that I actually watched it when it was on the air. Not this episode. Not that old. But I remember watching it in the 80s. Yesterday, I talked on the episode saying that for a long time, talking about aliens, talking about UFOs, it was you were ridiculed for it. Nowadays, you can have your own web group or you can actually have your own YouTube channel. And and even if you're not doing that, even if you're an officer speaking in front of Congress or something like that, it's not as jokingly discouraged as it used to be. And I want to play this clip as an example for this. What I'm about to play you, it's Muhammad Ali, famous boxer Muhammad Ali. He's on The Tonight Show and he's acting a little kind of reserved. And Johnny Carson kind of picks up on it. So he asks him... Like you know what's going on. That's what kind of the lead up is to this clip.
1: I've been studying you seem quite
0: reserved tonight. What? I've been studying UFOs. Did you know there are UFOs out here flying around unidentified? <laughs> <doctors>? <laughs> this would be the place for them, Southern California. California. I'm serious. They sighted a bunch over Georgia. I've seen them at night. Uh, they have real photos of them, and the government, and the people just completely seem like don't talk about it. But um, Mr. Harold Salkin of Washington D.C. is head of the National UFO Bureau. Right. He brought me moving films. I actually have moving pictures of little saucers, of gray steel objects coming into pictures that people took, and I'm just surprised they don't about talk more about it. Something they can Another great insight into the fight game. No, I'm just kidding. No, I read that. But did you read the thing last night on the on the news? No. That some physicist said. There's two things to address there. It, it appears that that was the first thing really Muhammad Ali is saying in that clip, other than like, hey, he starts talking about this UFO thing, and he's kind of like, this is what I wanted to talk about. Sitting next to him is the heavyweight champion, Ken Norton. They're doing publicity for their upcoming heavyweight fight rematch. And Ken Norton's just kind of sitting there, shocked the whole time. The whole clip is about three minutes long, and I, I, the links in the show notes, are I'm to listen to that. But that laughter, that laughter... Even what you have Muhammad Ali, world-famous boxer, saying, oh, yeah, you know, this is something I want to talk about. I wanted to talk about UFOs. And that laughter, and you can tell half of it is nervous laughter because they don't know, the audience doesn't know how to react to it. But the other half is laughing at him. That's really what it used to be like for the UFO community. You don't get that reaction much anymore. You can have Post Malone, who I'm pretty sure is haunting my apartment at this point. I'll do that story tomorrow's episode because I'm still doing some research on that, but you can have Post Malone. And I think it's also picking the audiences. Back then, you had a general talk show. You went on there, and then after that, after Muhammad Ali gets off, you'd have like a dancing cat. It was just kind of a general talk show. Nowadays, Post Malone can go on uh, H3H3 or Joe Rogan, and they'll talk about UFOs. And one, there's no audience there. You don't get that instant reaction but two, I think one, people are more open to it and you can pick your audiences when you talk about it. That's what it used to be like though. And that takes guts. Now it probably caught him a little off guard when they first started laughing, but like I said, the clip goes on for three minutes. He just keeps talking about it. And Johnny Carson kind of, he's a little dismissive at the beginning, but then he actually goes, oh, you know, I read this article saying that it may be satellites falling and stuff like that. And There's like this back and forth between them as far as that goes. But it was completely hostile. You had a hostile audience when you talked about this stuff. Back then, this was in 1973, September 7th, 1973, as opposed to today. So it really took guts to talk about this stuff. When a heavyweight boxer is getting laughed at and mocked on national television, imagine someone who just saw a UFO and they're in their small town... And they're like, hey, I think I saw something weird last night. I don't know what it was. Imagine that reaction. But it's your peers and you're in your small town diner. So that's what that was like. Nate, let's leave behind L.A. Muhammad Ali's like, no, no, take me. Take me to a future where people will believe me. We're like, no, sorry, dude. You got you got fights to win or lose. I don't really know his record, but I don't even know if he won that fight. But anyways, we're speeding away. He's like, "Do I win? Do I win this fight?" We're like, "I oh, don't know. We're not sports people. At least I'm not." We're driving away, Nate. Let's go to a spooky bedroom. I don't know. Maybe it's your bedroom that's spooky. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure my bedroom's haunted by Post Malone, even though he's still alive. Something weird's going on. We're le. We're not going to my bedroom <laughs> because I, that's tomorrow's episode. Let's just go to your bedroom, but it's super spooky. Like you've put up like crepe paper. And it's uh, like black and red and you've lit some candles. (laughs) Maybe that's what your bedroom normally looks like. And we are going to look at a ritual. I I found this on Reddit. I found this on Reddit. It is supposedly. So I I always like to say that because I want to give credit to the person who brings it to my attention. This was from a user named Bill Faney. So we're sitting in your bedroom. Thank you, Bill, whoever you are. We're sitting in your spooky, spooky bedroom. And we're going to look at something that he supposedly found from a book called The Miraculous Aspects of Things Existing. Supposedly, according to this Reddit post, this is a book that was written by Zachariah L. Kazwini in the 1200s. So a long, long time ago, if you don't have a calendar, if you don't have a calendar in front of you, just take my word for it, the 1200s is farther back than the 2020s. Apparently, this is a text that actually shows you how to summon a djinn. Now, jinn, You know, one of the biggest things I see in the... I, I can't say it's the biggest thing I see, but it pops up a lot in Paranormal World. The, the one thing that pops up a lot is... How do I get wishes? I mean, it's funny, because you think about it. it that is the... Uh, wanting to have a wish fulfilled and wanting to be able to go back in time and change things. It's like, an, it's like a basic human need. It's so weird to think that you know... If you, I think I talked about this, like, on episode 40 of this podcast. If you went back to, like, old-timey England, like the 1400s, and they're, like, using sickles and stuff to, like, chop hay up and, like, petting sheep, doing stuff and using the sickles on the sheep, I, you know, they're like, oh, you know what would be totally awesome? I heard back in the, the thousands, things were way cooler. People are dressing all in retro thousand clothes. They're like, I don't know. I don't even know what clothes they wore in the 1400s. But you know what I mean? Like, People always look backwards with like sepia colored glasses or they didn't have glass. Glasses wasn't invented back then. So they just looked back and go, you know what? I'm sure I wish I lived in the times of the Arthurian legends. That's what they were thinking. They're like back when knights actually fought for good instead of like beating up peasants. Nostalgia is a thing. I'm sure you could even go back to, like, the BCs, and they're like, ah, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a limit, <laughs> because you have to have some sort of record of the past. You're going to be sitting in your hovel in Greece, and you're like, ah, oh, dude, things were way better back. I, I'm guessing because things suck so bad now. I'm just guessing any time before now is better. But anyway, so time travel, wish fulfillment. Very, very basic human needs. So, that is a very lengthy introduction to this. I said I have a lot to cover, and I'm <laughs> seeming to ramble more than often. Here's this here's your instructions get a pen and paper, write this down. Before sunrise, but, 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 before you start writing stuff down, realize you will be summoning a djinn if you follow these instructions. So, <laughs> maybe not. Spooky, spooky bedroom. You got a, I'll give you a single light so you can. Write stuff down, or you can use your cell phone because you don't live in the PCs. Before sunrise, you have to practice solitude and quiet. And then at night, so this is like the day before, so it takes a couple days preparation. So you wake up one morning, you practice solitude and quiet, and then that night, you pray and praise God. So this might not work for atheists. Although, although it would be kind of weird if an atheist was trying to summon a djinn and expect it to happen. They're like, I don't believe in anything except this thing I heard on a podcast. Before Sunrise, I'm, I'm sure... Do atheists believe in ghosts, actually? Now that I think about it. I, do they? Like, I guess. Like, they probably believe in Bigfoot. That's that's another episode. That's That's another episode. I I could see an atheist believing in aliens, but I don't, could an atheist believe, because at what point you're like, ooh, that ghost, that's real, but then if it becomes like a wraith or a demon, you're like, eh, it's ghosts, ghosts all the way down, like I don't, I don't know, actually, that's a good question, but a question that will be answered on a later episode has nothing to do with this one, except (laughs) except you'll be summoning a djinn, and to do this you have to praise God, so that's why that comes up. Could you praise God? If you, Could you fake it? Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make a gin. Before sunrise, you practice solitude and quiet. And then that night, you pray and praise God. The next day, you're going to fast. But before you fast, you're going to fast from sunup to sundown. But you're going to wake up in the morning. So you got to wake up before the sun comes up. You have to only eat unsalted food. No planters peanuts for you. You can eat... This stuff is inedible. This stuff is inedible I'm about to list, by the way. So, I mean, if you want to summon a gin, your first wish should be make unsalted foods taste good in the future. You can only eat barley. I don't know where you're getting that at. I have no idea where you buy just straight barley. But you can eat barley. You can eat unsalted olives. Those are disgusting even if they are salted. Dried grapes. That's like a raisin, right? Dates. I've never had one of those. And the, this episode isn't my food review. It's it's oddly become that. You can eat barley, unsalted olives, dried grapes, dates, or fruits and vegetables. They should just say fruits and vegetables, right? Because no one's going to go out and buy... You don't have to eat barley, by the way. You don't have to go raid a horse farm. Or like, a uh, what are those things called? The stalls, the horse place thing. You know what I mean. You've seen movies or been around real horses. The place with all the boxes and the horse heads are popping out of it. Uh, whatever. <laughs> First off, you, you don't need to go there for this ritual. But if you wanted to steal barley, go to a horse farm. But anyway, so you just eat fruits and vegetables, really. And then, but here's the thing. Put down that honey, because that's what you're going for. It's not a fruit or a vegetable. You can't eat anything that has an animal origin, including honey. So no meat, no eggs, no milk. And then um, whatever else comes out of a cow or a chicken or an owl, don't eat it. And then you fast first from sun up to sundown. And then when you break the fast, you have to go back to eating the barley. You have to go back to eating unsalted stuff or, again, just fruits and vegetables. That's when the sun's going down. Now, before nightfall comes, so you have that time period of dusk and then nightfall's coming, you need to start summoning the djinn. Now, you have to read this phrase out. Now, I... I'm going to be a total chicken. I'm not gonna read this phrase out on I've debated this, and I know you guys were waiting with bated breath. <laughs> is he going to actually summon a djinn during this podcast? So this message is apparently written in a combination of Arabic and a jinn dialect. I'm like, okay. But when I ran it through a translator, and there's no Google translator for jinn, there's no Google translator for like leprechaun or anything like that, but when I ran it through the translator. It didn't even pick up any of the Arabic words, So I was like, I'm not really, don't don't really feel comfortable. But you can check it out out online. You can check it out online. It's not super long. I don't even feel comfortable reading the first word out loud. Because again, first off, Post Malone's already haunting my apartment. And then two, maybe he's haunting my apartment because I've been reading this in my head. It's probably, I don't know, it'd probably take you 30 seconds to say it, if that. But... You have to say it 1,000 times. So it's nightfall now. And you've already done all this preparation. And you repeat this phrase over and over and over again. 1,000 times. Out loud. And there you go. After the thousandth time. This is interesting because this is something that's easily testable. Listener beware as far as actually doing this ritual. Because again, it it may work. You may want to summon a djinn. It may summon something else, but or it may have a psychological component to it as well. We'll get into that. But it's something that's easily testable. Like Once you get it down, after the thousandth time, the djinn will appear in front of you in human form. And if that happens, if you're standing there and you see a human that previously did not exist appear in front of you, don't panic! It says do not panic. If you've summoned something from the other realm, you are instructed to crawl into bed and go to sleep. You gotta immediately go to sleep. I don't know if you have to immediately, like... I don't know if you have to immediately go to sleep. That might be putting a little pressure on you. But you have to at least, like, try to go to sleep. Can't be on your phone. Can't be playing your Nintendo Switch. While you're sleeping, the gym will wake you up. Hey, dude. Hey, dude, wake up. Wake up. You Dude, you summoned me. Dude, you said that a thousand times. Don't you want me to be here? Why are you being so rude? And then you wake up. And then you will create a contract with this djinn during this conversation. I don't know how casual the conversation. Hey, how was your day? Uh, were you doing anything before I summoned you into this realm? You know, stuff like that. Or it could just be straight to business. But eventually you do come up with this contract. And here we get this. Quote, the jinn will be bound to a lifelong servitude, which includes fulfilling realistic wishes and informing the human about the questions that he sets to the djinn. Unquote. So there you go. I think it's funny because there is that caveat saying, well, the wishes have to be realistic. Like you can't wish to be King of Mars or something like that. Like it has to be something like, I wish this donut had only 100 calories. And the gin's like, Duke, he he cuts it in one fourth and gives it to you. You're like, "Ah." they have to be realistic wishes. But that's still an interesting thing. I would just be fascinating that a human appeared in my bedroom. Not saying that humans don't appear in my bedroom. They don't magically appear in my bedroom, but humans do walk around in my bedroom from time to time. But that would be weird, right? If someone just magically appeared in front of you, that would be proof enough. But the fact that he will stay stick with you forever, he'll answer questions that you set upon him. So you're like, who is... Who's who's that man walking down the street? And Jin's like... And he reads his ID in his pocket. He's like, oh, that's Jimmy Smith, the actor. He's like, that's weird. What's he doing in my hometown? And Jin's like... He's looking for a job. So, I don't know. That would actually be kind of cool, because I would be pestering him with questions all the time. I'd be waking him up in the middle of the night. He's trying to sleep. I'm like, hey, Jin. Jin, wake up. Hey, dude. I, I was wondering. What do you call place where horse, horses are at he's like oh please let me break my contract I'll make you president of Mars I'll I'll, I'll break all my laws just to get out of this so anyways that's how you can summon a gin I'm wondering if you could record it record that saying and go <laughs> and then hit play and let the recording play out a thousand times it would be weird then what if it doesn't work and you're like oh go to sleep but like your mp3 player it's sitting there And it's, like, just sitting there, like, the camera's closing in on the MP3 player. And then the djinn appears in the MP3 player. And he's like, I'm at your command. And, like, the music is allowed to make wishes. It's a little Black Mirror episode for you guys if you want that episode. That one's free. But anyways, apparently, if it doesn't work... (laughs) <laughs> if it does, i'd be shocked if it did obviously but i'm not gonna try it if it doesn't work they say just keep doing it just keep doing it over and over again it'll eventually work and what's interesting is in the reddit comments there one of the first ones that popped up was from a guy named ibnaimi this guy says don't do this don't do this at all for a psychological reason if you repeat anything 1000 times in a row it's going to mess with your head like that is really how, cha- how, I'm not saying like chanting, chanting is supposed to take you to another like realm, another like supposed to elevate the spirit. But he's like, don't do this chanting. If you chanted just random stuff and just repeated that phrase a thousand times, it's going to mess with your head. Don't do it. This is not saying don't do it because the djinn might show. Don't do it because you might actually cause psychological damage to yourself. That is probably true. It probably has some sort of tulpa effect who knows maybe this guy is onto something not this guy not, not this killjoy the original guy maybe you can do this and summon a gin and get realistic wishes but again that's a that's a bit of a that's a bit of a small print thing going on there because you could be like i wish and the no matter what the gins i like, can't do it before you <laughs> before he even finish it nope he's just eating all your potato chips all your unsalted olives you're like oh man i really wanted those Let's go in the garbage can because they're disgusting. He's eating barley. So let's go ahead and get Nate in the seat of the carbonercopter. Now, what I did was I promised you on yesterday's episode to talk about this guy whose dad was abducted by aliens. Not only did I promise it on yesterday's episode, I promised it on this episode as well in the intro. But, Nate, let's get in that carbonercopter. Copter. I don't know if we have enough time for that. Honestly, I don't know if we have enough time for that. Technically, the the story with the model, counts as UFO disclosure. I don't think I have time to really do this story justice. And I don't want to have another long episode because I want to make sure you guys, uh, you know, I don't want to waste your guys' time. Let me, not saying the show's a waste of time, but you know what I mean? Like, I like having a set amount of time. Hold on a second here. Let me find uh, a shorter story to end this on. A shorter good story. Don't worry. I'm not just going to throw, throw mud at the wall. Okay, here we go. Nate, you've been doing circles in the carpenter copter. You've been in a holding pattern. We are now leaving behind your creepy bedroom. You can redecorate it when we come back. We are headed out to Kokomo, Indiana. It's January 1999. I got this from that website, one of my favorite investigative websites. Think about it, docs.com. It's January 1999. Helicopters coming over Kokomo, Indiana. It's late at night. (laughs) It's late at night, and two women are driving down a dark country road in a little area north of Kokomo, Indiana. We don't have their real names, but we'll call them June and Monica. June and Monica. June is driving the car, and, and if those are their real names, it's just a shot in the dark. June's driving the car, and Monica's in the passenger seat. Yeah. Car is driving down the road. This area that they're in, if you're familiar with Kokomo, Indiana, if you're familiar with that area, you may actually know the stretch of road. Apparently on both sides of the road, there's these big bushes, these big bushes that kind of line the road. And they're about 10 feet tall. Monica and June are just having a good old conversation driving down the road. And Monica falls silent for a moment. And then a moment longer. And then a little longer. And June looks over and she sees her friend's face contorted in fear. Not just a slight grimace. It's not just a... (gasps) It's a look of pure agony. Seeing something that fills her with mortal fear. Monica points out into the darkness as the car is continuing down the road. And just then... The car engine shuts off. The car is now just coasting down the road the headlights dim. Lining each side of the road are these bushes, these 10-foot-tall bushes. And Monica's pointing out towards the bushes. But not at the bushes. Above the bushes. June sees it too. What she's seeing is peeking over the bush are people. She said to the Heads seemed larger and the shoulders seemed disproportionately big. But all of these creatures, these beings, these shadow people, were all over 10 feet tall. Big enough that she could see the head and the shoulders. So 12 feet tall, 13 feet tall. And they're just staring as the car's coasting down this street. Engines completely shut off. June, almost reflexively, you're going to think it's natural geography, right? trick of the light, something like that. June swivels her head to her side of the car looks out. She sees the beans on her side of the car as well, looking down at them. Now, at this point, June turns to Monica, who Monica is still just barely holding it together. June turns to Monica and she says the one thing that, if you are a passenger in a car, you hope no one ever says in a situation like this, because you are helpless. You are stuck to the desires of the driver. June says, quote, They want to communicate. I am stopping. But before June can actually hit the brakes. Because she believes that whatever this encounter is, they want to just talk to them. Monica flips out. Monica absolutely flips out on this. She's having a completely different reaction to this. June is getting the sense that they want to talk to us. And Monica, in an almost animalistic fight, it's basically you have that response. You have like a fight response and then a I don't know, communicate with us response. That should be the fourth one. Fight, flight, freeze, or just talk it out. Monica, though, is straight fight complex. She's really not even communicative at this point. She just becomes violently hysterical is the quote that's used. And while June is now trying to calm Monica down, the car is just continuing to coast. And these things are standing on both sides of the road for a length of around 50 feet. And then at that point... June looks up and she doesn't see them any further than the 50 feet that the car coasted. Once they pass by where these shadow beans were on both sides of the road, the engine starts up again, lights turn back on, car drives home. That story ends with this passage here. Quote, one of the women, who I'm assuming is the passenger, I don't think the driver would be like, well, golly! Golly! I wanted to stop the car, but now that I think about it, here's this quote. One of the women locked herself up in her room for two days and would not talk to anyone after the incident. So, again, I'm assuming that's the passenger. That's an interesting story. One, it's terrifying because it has all these, it has all the combinations. It's at night, you're in the middle of nowhere, you have an unknown element. And in this one, you have multiple unknown elements. They're basically surrounding the car, the car is dead. And you have a fight between the two people in the car. Not a physical fight, but you have the passenger who noticed them first and was just instilled with fear. Freaking out when the driver says, well, they want to just want to talk to us. Let's stop. Now, we don't know what the intentions of these creatures are. We don't know if these were shadow people. We don't know if these were male- malevolent. They're a bunch of out-of-work gins. We don't know. But I think if, in my case, I wouldn't stop the car. Especially if I was surrounded. If I saw one of them, maybe. But if I saw a bunch of them on both sides of the road, I wouldn't stop the car. This story is interesting because what would have happened if Monica wasn't there? That car could have passed silently by all those subjects. June was just looking in front of the road. Maybe she experiences a little bit of car trouble. But even the car trouble didn't come till Monica had already pointed them out. Maybe her car would seem to the gas pedal wasn't really working for that point in time. And it keeps going. Maybe the fear, actually, now that I say that, maybe the fear is what gave them enough power to shut the car down in the first place. But June could have just driven right by him. June's car could have broke down. And she's out there trying to figure out what's going on. It's 1999. Not everyone has a cell phone. It's nighttime. She's hoping someone else is going to drive by to help. And while she's trying to figure out what's wrong with her car, why the engine just died, there are these dark shadows just staring down at her, silently watching her and waiting. It's also possible that she was driving. Of- <laughs> you like this episode? Are you glad I found this one? People who are listening to this episode at night, driving down the road. And they're experiencing car trouble. It's also possible that she would have stopped. So let's play it where she's driving on the road. She sees the figures. The car does die. But she's coasting. And she goes, they just want to communicate. She gets out of her car. And then just disappears i have to assume some sort of malevolent force with this because there's very few guardian angels that will jack up your car to talk to you right that was always my biggest complaint about that twilight book there's a lot of them but was that edward the romantic star at one point doesn't want bella you guys didn't expect this (laughs) you guys didn't expect this on today's episode. edward doesn't want bella to go meet the werewolf guy whatever his name was sean or sam or something like that Edward doesn't want Bella to go meet that dude, Sean the werewolf, whatever his name was. So Edward breaks into her car and rips out the starter engine to her car and says, I told you stay away from Sean. And she's like, I'm pretty sure that's not his name. And he's like, doesn't matter. Stay away from him you're not getting this starter engine back and i remember reading that and i thought i i know guys like that i know guys that would they they, they don't have inhuman strength they're not like but i know guys that if they could have they would have ripped starter engines out of their girlfriend's cars or girls they were interested in but she ended up with them anyways though it's a horrible horrible moral of the story but and then the werewolf ends up with her baby it's the whole the book is though all the books are weird i didn't finish the last one but i did read three of them my point is is that good things good guys don't normally damage your car or even temporarily it's so good that that gin that i summoned was throwing down spike strips on the road it doesn't happen you could say a guardian angel makes it so your gas pedal doesn't work just right and then a car goes by because you were de- decelerated fine but to actually like kill your engine and have you glide down this dark road as you're surrounded by ghosts or demons or whatever they were aliens who knows Seems odd. It's almost like when you read the story, I'm sure there's a group of people who go, oh, dude, if Monica wasn't in the car, June could have had a close encounter like June could have experienced the paranormal. But I think a more rational person, me, would say, good job, Monica. Good job. Because you probably saved her from a fate worse than death. Ooh, here's one. Here's one. So to wrap this episode up, this chaotic episode... You're driving down the road late at night. And then that story happens to you. I'm not going to repeat the whole thing. But you're driving down the road late at night. Your car dies. And you've always been a little bit interested in the paranormal. You've summoned gins. You read the Twilight series. And now you are in the middle of nowhere with these giant beings of shadow and darkness. It has to be the, the silhouette would have had to be so pitch black to be noticeable at night. I've seen things like that. I've seen shadow people like that. It's like watching... A, it's really hard to describe. It's like... It's like... Darker than black. Very, it's like an, a true absence of light. I've done a couple episodes on those guys. My personal experiences. But... So to be able to see those things... Against the night sky... That have to be... Physically impossibly dark. But she get. But you get out of your car. You've always wanted an encounter like this. You get out of your car... You just want to communicate, you yell out into the darkness. I know you just want to communicate. That's why I've stopped. Please, please tell me what you want me to know. But you never get to tell that message. The next day, your car is still on the side of the road. Police car shows up. Tow truck shows up. Family and friends wonder what happens to you. Nobody can ever really figure it out. Then, on another night, another car is driving down that same stretch of road. And that night, a keen observer may notice there's an extra giant shadow standing on the side of the road looking for another victim. deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio Twitter is at deadrabbitradio Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one guys (laughs) tomorrow's episode will actually be what I planned. It'll be the dad story. It's a really good story. Have a great one guys